0: Coffee break with New York Wiki. I'm your host, Julie Hockheiser-Ilkovich, and I'm here today with Lindsay Weber. Lindsay, thank you for being here. Hi. She is a writer and a podcaster and host of one of my favorite podcasts, Who Weekly, which we will talk about at length on this show. Um, we're so excited for you to be here, and we just want to start off always talking about coffee. Sure. So, are you a big coffee drinker?
1: Uh, mm, not really. Okay. I <laughs> drink a lot of tea. Um, but I drink always Dunkin' Donuts iced coffee. Okay. So if I have to drink coffee, it's Dunkin' Donuts iced coffee.
0: Coffee drink of choice, Dunkin' Donuts iced coffee. Flavored?
1: No. Okay. But like a really big one with lots of ice that melts down so it's mostly water. It. Like I don't love coffee. I love like milk. My, I always get made fun of by friends cause it's like, they're like, you really just want to drink a milkshake. Right. So you want like, you want to drink milk with like a little coffee flavor. So if I have to drink coffee, it's like either a latte cause that also is milk, milk, coffee flavored right. milk or a huge Dunkin' Donuts iced coffee great. Mm -hmm. That's very
0: New England of you. Very New
1: England. Like one that you drink all day and like keep in your car and it melts and it's disgusting but really (laughs) delicious. Yes.
0: I always have one of those on my desk in the summer.
1: Disgusting. When
0: I was little my parents would let me drink milk with Mm -hmm. like a little drop of coffee. Do you remember coffee
1: milk? Did you ever have that? That's what we call it. Yeah. (laughs) Is that a thing? It's a thing. You used to be able to get it or you still can definitely get it. I think it's Rhode Island based. Okay. And you could get cartons of it and it's just coffee milk and it would just be milk like Milford's favorite coffee. Oh. I don't know if it had, actually had caffeine in it though. Oh,
0: I would be like allowed kids to could drink. drink it. Oh,
1: yeah. Usually your kids are not <laughs> supposed to drink caffeine. I know. But I was pretty much like raised on Dunkin' Donuts, so I always drank like coffee and always hated it, but drank it anyways. It's nostalgic to me, but it also when we were little, we got it when we went on a road trip or a little vacation. So it means like we're going. It means I'm going on vacation or I'm going somewhere or I'm like treating myself. And luckily it's cheap, so it's like treating yourself, but in the nicest way possible. It's right. so, like you get a huge Dunkin' Donuts sized coffee. I love it. Yeah. Oh my gosh.
0: So you have such an interesting career path, and I'd love for you to start at the beginning, talk a little bit about your internships, kind of where you mm-hmm. started from school and beyond, and then just take us through the steps of your career and how you ended up where you are.
1: Wow, now interesting is a nice way to put it. <laughs> so I feel like I'm on this journey, but uh, I guess I have like one of those very like web-native careers. Like just I've only I really worked on the internet for the entirety of my. Career in some form of the way, like that has been it. So I went to NYU and I went to journalism school or just majored in journalism and English. And so I was like writing and editing and doing all that stuff. And when I graduated, uh, well, I, I did internships at Stuff Magazine, which is RIP, the classic. I love Stuff mean, Magazine. I haven't heard that in a long time. Amazing. <laughs> um, which is insane, uh, and I also worked. I interned at New York Magazine, which was funny because I ended up working there later. But what I did was I just emailed someone's email that I scammed offline off Google and said like, "Give me an internship," and that worked. So they my paid God. me like a lot of money for no reason, and I worked. And it's funny because like my in my class of interns was Dan Amira, who now um, is like a huge writer. He was on the Daily. Show, He writes for the Daily Show, and he, so it was just like. It was very strange to have gotten this uh, internship, and it was when Vulture was first launching. So, like, they didn't really have a Vulture. So, uh, I really didn't feel like I could contribute there in any way because what I wanted to do was like entertainment and culture, and they didn't really have it yet. Um, so I ended up doing, like, a lot of listings and stuff. But it was fun. And they paid. And, like, what more could you ask for an internship that they pay you? Nah. Like, literally nothing you else.
0: You really can't find that
1: anymore, like, a media yeah.
0: internship or a publishing internship. And that I think pays. it really
1: helped my uh, resume, too. Like, yeah. when I ended up getting a job, people were like, oh, your are is amazing. So that was awesome. And... I when I graduated I ended up interning for AOL. What did you want sorry to interrupt, but what did you want to do when you graduated? I'm just interested in learning. I had no idea. I had no idea. I knew I liked to write and was somewhat good at it and I liked to read, but I didn't and then I heard someone must have told me publishing was bad at some point because I somehow didn't go that way, which is insane. I think someone was like, Oh, you can't make money in publishing. It's like, Oh yeah, I'll go into journalism. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> whatever. But I also was just like really, really naturally inclined to be good at social media. So it was always kind of like I used Twitter early and all this, this stuff. So I kind of thought, oh, I'll do like some sort of like marketing, social media, whatever. I really didn't. I honestly didn't think, didn't know what I was going to do. Right. There wasn't a strategy. No. It's just
0: interesting. Like, especially I think when no. you graduate in writing. Pretty much. Yeah. Like, there's so many ways to go, especially yes. now. I'm like, does anyone really know? Or just kind of... I think it's either you're, like, so focused on being, like, an editor chief in a magazine or oh, you're i like, had no, I'll do I had whatever. no.
1: Because I wasn't like, oh, I see myself as a reporter. I'm, like, right. a gumshoe. I, like, didn't see myself as that either. I don't know. I just was like, I love to write and I love all forms of writing and one of these things will be good. And you'll see, like, by my jobs, I kind of went back and forth between different types of writing. So I was working at, I had an, I got an internship at AOL, which also paid, which was amazing. I was working at a style blog called Stylist. Shout out, mm. Stylist, RIP. Or maybe not, I don't even know. I don't know if RIP. They R. might <laughs> still be alive. And I um, was super, super into the Tumblr community of New York when Tumblr first launched. That was like, a BuzzFeed had just launched. Um, so I made a bunch of friends that worked at BuzzFeed. BuzzFeed's first four editors, three of which I think still work there. Yes, Scott, Jack. Tanner, Amanda Dobbins, who now works at The Ringer, who worked at Glamour and worked at Vulture with me. So everything comes back together. It's all the same people in your career that keep on hiring you again and again if you're nice to them or whatever. So uh, I I loved BuzzFeed and they hired me to start feeding viral content into their site when it first launched, which was hilarious because it was like me and I think Edith Zimmerman and Elliot Glazer, all these kind of like early internet people who worked at other places, but then would submit one viral thing to BuzzFeed. This was when BuzzFeed was just finding viral things, not making them. Remember that? Yeah, so <laughs> I'm like, what is this strategy? So you would be like, what's so They paid me like $500 a month or okay. something to, send, to submit like one thing. It was always like a viral Tumblr or like a funny meme or like whatever. And you would write like a little joke and then you would post it. And it was just, it was like easy money. And I was, I loved being, this was because I applied to work at BuzzFeed and didn't get the job, but like they gave uh, me this little other cool. job. So I was working at AOL um, for uh, for stylus and doing these little BuzzFeed things. And then I realized that AOL had internally a blog called Earlesque that was doing like a lot of the same stuff that BuzzFeed was. And I just like somehow didn't realize that. So I literally one day got up from my seat and found in the office where they worked. It was like my now friend Kelly and Ray and Stephen Lenz. And it turned out that what I didn't realize, they were the outreach team who had a blog. So AOL was really smart at the time Whatever. I guess they were smart. I don't know. They had. Was this, it a strategy? Uh, it was, was a strategy. Happened? Well, I think the people on the outreach team did it as a strategy and they were smart, but AOL never knew what to do with that blog and it was so before its time. Um, and it did come before BuzzFeed, which was funny because then they saw BuzzFeed just like plow right through right. them and memes in general. And so. I ended up just, like, finding them being like, I'd love to work here. And they were like, oh, well, do you want to work in outreach? And I was like, I guess. I don't know. Like, is that what you do? And they basically explained that, you know, Erlesque is, like, the face of the outreach team and we do fun stuff there. But what we really do is we do outreach for other blogs, Lemon Drop, Asylum, all these AOL blogs. Outreach meaning? Uh, reaching out to other blogs. Because back then. To get the distribution. Back, back then, the entire internet was based on getting link backs. Backlinking. A hundred percent. So, like basically what you would just do is you would create these networks of bloggers and then you would say, like, if you link me, I'll link you. Here's my roundup. Here's your roundup. And this weirdly worked. Right. I don't – Like,
0: I mean, it was syndication. Syndication. Right. That's what we would call it. Yeah.
1: We would do – it was just a lot of outreach and then early social media because there wasn't – social media, like, marketing wasn't really a thing or was starting to be a thing and AOL was kind of figuring out how to do it even though they, like, invented social online Right. But they didn't know – but, like, Twitter launched – Right when we were there and Tumblr was, was getting big and so a lot of it was just like also you know me, meeting up with people on Tumblr and like getting the big users like this guy named Anthony who now works at Daily Show also uh, he was called Soup Soup do you remember this and he did like news I'm telling you it was like <laughs> this is so amazing. weird it's Brian like a different Stelter language. who no oh, yeah. he was big on Tumblr and like these people are just like big on Tumblr, and like you could actually get a little bit of links and figure shit out if you like knew how to use Tumblr for your brand. So I ended up getting a job there; I was contract, and I worked, you know, whatever hours a week. And I met so many people, and like had the best time, and did that for a little bit. And now I'm gonna speed up because it gets boring.
0: Oh, love- we, want, we like to hear all the details. Oh my God, it of gets your so career. boring.
1: I left, so I left or left because I got offered to write a book for a company called or used to be called the Universal Record Database. They were an they were the Wikipedia. Of Guinness World Book of Records okay. mixed together, but they weren't actually Guinness. Okay, but that was an explanation.
0: That just what the, the now they're called Record Setter.
1: Yeah, so okay. they were this company that I'd known. I I knew the two guys who owned it, and they did these funny online re- uh, records, World Records, and they wanted they got a book deal, and they were like, "We need someone to write our book." I was like, "Sure, I definitely could maybe do this." So I definitely tried to do it. I don't know how successful I was. The book exists. And so I helped do that. So your ghost,
0: it was like I was ghost like, ghostwriting. Okay. I was
1: ghostwriting, but it was essentially what it was, which was what I was good at, which was going through these huge online databases of people who would submitted these records and finding good stories. So like finding the guy from like Poland who like juggled whatever on his head, like and being like, oh, this is interesting story. Let me reach out to him and maybe see if I can get something for this book. So we made the book, and then after the book, I was like, ah, what am I gonna do? And I got offered to work in social media at a uh, advertising agency. So I was like, "Why not? Like, maybe I'll try and like make money for once in my life." Because you had quit a job to write a book. I left the job to write this book. Okay. Got like a chunk payment. Got it. And was like doing that. Meanwhile, under 26, so I had health insurance. So okay. this was why I could do this. Now I'm remembering why. i could
0: do that. <laughs> I was like, that's a real bold move. No, I like wasn't. it wasn't.
1: I was like 22, so it didn't okay. matter. And so then I went. I got a real job, The Barbarian Group, which was amazing because not only was I doing social media, but it was for one of the most like advanced agencies because they, what's amazing about them is that they had tech in-house. So they, they were the ones that did all these viral things. And I met so many cool people. And the best part about working for an agency as a creative person is that unlike any other company, Agencies really, really value when people who work for them do creative side projects. They think Mm. it's cool. They love it. They like share it. They tweet it. They like they just really want people who work for them to be cool.
0: But how great, I mean, so many times you just have you're not allowed to do side jobs, no Mm -hmm. side hustle, like Mm -hmm. super restricted Mm -hmm. for them to be encouraging you is so lucky.
1: Right. And so that's why I always say to people it's like if you want to make money but still do creative things, working in an agency is actually really cool because they'll never be mad at you for doing side stuff, or at least they should never be mad at you um, but also you'll get paid well and you'll you know you can get health insurance and right. stuff did
0: you have time my thing would be like do you have time
1: to do the side project I had time yeah. part of my job because I worked in social media was to be on the internet so you could do yes yeah. I had time like whatever right and so that's when I started kind of like meeting a lot of the people that I now am friends with when I was at that agency and then I basically left that agency to work at Buzzfeed for real. And when I went to BuzzFeed, they had no creative team, and they said, "Do you want to work in content or creative?" And I and this was before Ben Smith started, so there was also really no content that was like really what I wanted to do good, not good. There, I didn't really want to do lists. So right. I was like, okay, you know, Ben Smith hadn't gotten there yet. Uh, I said, I'll try creative. I'm good at advertising, and they'll, you know, I should just keep trying. And I worked there for like a year, not was not for me. I It was like very much the opposite. Of a and I think Buzzfeed's creative team has now advanced so much. Like yes, this had so just launched. I sure, yeah. didn't know what they wanted. It was like you know, and I'm sure I wasn't. I really was not into it after a few months, and and kind of was just like, this feels like we're all just kind of stumbling and just slapping brands onto a Buzzfeed thing. And I don't think brands want to be here really, unless but they're being told that you know like. Media agencies would be hired by brands to make stuff on their behalf, and they would—you could tell—they were like not feeling it. So it's just like a big group of people not feeling it. Right. So whatever that left that, and then well got lefted, and then mm. let's be real, and then I was freelance for um, a little bit, which was amazing because I was like that was the first time I was ever freelance. I was like, oh my god, maybe I could like write for a living, really, and did that, and worked a little bit at VH1, and and did for Best Week Ever's, like came back, and I did a little bit of stuff for them, and then. And then what happened? Oh, and then I got hired at Vulture. That was the best thing. Because basically what was amazing was being freelance made it so I could like actually pitch real writing. I ended up pitching Vulture. Amanda Dobbins, who I mentioned before, worked there. Um, and she brought me in to meet her editor and they needed somebody at they needed a virally person. Meaning like someone who could make gifts, which is insane right. to think now, but like literally that was like a thing that no one had. It's like, oh I can make gifts. Like I've been doing that forever on my tumblers that are so stupid. So that was a really amazing like I'm doing it anyway. I, yeah, like, I, I do it anyways. And yes, I, I already watch um, bad award shows and take screenshots and do funny comedy and use Twitter and all this stuff. So they needed somebody like that in-house, brought me in, worked there for um, almost three years, it was, like, amazing, Love Vulture so much, and, like... Back then, I mean, still is amazing. Back then, it was a lot smaller. So it was just like really a really fun crew of people who really cared about the minutiae of celebrity culture and garbage. And that was like the world I wanted to like live in. Um, and the only reason I left was because I was offered this weird as hell job um, in California, in LA, making a men's—it's so weird saying it now—making a, we- a men's website for the Dollar Shave Club. Okay, so branded, uh, like branded, a, was back it branded, to branded or
0: not? Was it was the actual website like not? It was like a. It was not branded, right. like brand owned. Content yeah, site. like
1: I never made any content that had anything to do with the brand Dollar Shave Club. We didn't talk about grooming. Right. But like why would I ever? The idea was to have like a smart young men's lifestyle publication which I think it it, it was and it still is and they did an amazing job and they spent a lot of money on it which was like also amazing. Right. They moved me out to LA. I really had always wanted to try living there and I did that for a year and launched it which was fun because launching a website's insane. Um, and then as soon as it was launched, we did it for a little bit and was like, you know what? Like, I miss, we, we launched Who Weekly. This is so long and so boring. I, this is, I love it. Sometimes, <laughs> it's so sometimes we don't get
0: into the minutiae with a guest and oh then it's my like, God. but I didn't hear her path. Oh and I'm like, God. okay, we're going through the path. No, no it's not. Yeah. So when I was it. in LA,
1: I think the, the what the funnest thing that happened was, I mean, being in LA is fun, but, but launching, starting Who Weekly, the thing is like... Bobby and I have always Bobby Finger, my co-host in Who Weekly. We've always like done. We're always obsessed with doing our own version of whatever like internet trend there is, which I think is like a disease that we have. <laughs> so it's like if there's like like example like uh, oh iOS stickers. Yeah, yeah. Like Bobby had to make them for Who Weekly. I was like, why? He's like, I just want to. Like he just like we just we just need to do it. When newsletters were uh first a thing. Right. And everyone was like making all these really amazing, creative newsletters, which I still people still do and are still amazing. Kind of like the tumblers, it was like the new Tumblr, the new blog or whatever. And we had to make one, and we made Who Weekly. That was like what it was originally oh. was this newsletter because it involved Photoshop, which was like what Bobby was really into was making these Photoshop jokes. Right. And so it was all Photoshop jokes first, and the voice kind of happened. And we were like, oh, this is like fun. The voice is fun, but like we don't have time to make a newsletter, so we just kind of killed it. And then when I was in LA, podcasts were new-ish. Not that new, but newer. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a friend named Caitlin who worked at this company called ACAST that said if you ever want to make a podcast, like, I will help you. Like, I will help you and we'll do it. It'll be great. And I pitched, like, I said to Bobby, like, we should do Who Weekly as a podcast. What would it be like? Wouldn't it be really fun? I also just, like, missed him and was like, we should just talk on the phone. It'd be What an excuse to, like, just talk for once a week or whatever. And we launched it and it like was way better it was way better than we expected from the (laughs) get-go um and also people liked it more than we expected because basically we had thought of it as like a culture and gossip podcast what it really became was like a media criticism podcast and people who work in media love that shit right all of our friends work in media so they liked it and when your friends like your stuff you want to do it more And then also what was great was that media people are the ones writing about this shit. So then if they're the ones listening, then you have this amazing kind of ability to grow and get press because the people who make the press are the people who like your podcast. Right. It's great. I mean... It's it's like a snake eating its own tail in terms of promotion. And like, it just, we got really lucky. It's,
0: I mean, it's great. There's so many lessons from your story. I like, (laughs) we all always want to pull out the career lessons. Well, one thing is like the always kind of keeping in touch with their network. That
1: sounds like something yeah. so obvious, but I think like. Media is yep. the same 10 people, yep. ten the same 100 people in one city just giving each other yep. jobs over and over again, which is great because you really get to know what people like. People come to you and know what you like. You know, if somebody knows, oh, Lindsay loves Dunkin' Donuts, if there's some piece about Dunkin' Donuts, some news about Dunkin' Donuts, they come to me. Right. They already knew who I was and, yep. they ha- and they already have worked with me before and knew that I was like reliable or whatever yep. or not. So that's the most amazing thing. So you just work with the same people over and over again. And being ni- and just like being nice to them so that they'll hire you again. I and know giving it's, them it's, jobs. When yeah. I worked at MEL, all I did was try and give people money. I was like, oh, man, I have this budget. Who can I pay? Right. Like, like Let me pay you for any, you know? And, and I think when people, when, when editors, obviously, they want good work. When you're an editor, you want good work. But you also want to pay back the people that paid you. And so god forbid you ever go freelance again, or maybe you should because it's great. Uh, then you'll then they'll pay you back it's just it's just like the same it's great it's really great no
0: I think it's such a good and that's lesson. why
1: people live in New York right <laughs> you know like that's why they to do. be part of the network to be part of it and it works usually so I, I understand why I mean I came back here because I wanted to for many reasons but also for work stuff and it made some it makes a lot of sense and now I didn't see it before how lucky I was to have been here and doing what I'm doing but then when I left I was like shit like everyone's there doing it and now I understand Mm -hmm. why so we really
0: felt the effect of like not being close in proximity you think Mm -hmm. now like with like everything digital you could just Move away, but it really affect. But it really affects. It really affects.
1: I think it's interesting, especially if you're a social person and you go out and you meet people and you have drinks and you do happy hour and you go to people's birthday parties. Then you're gonna definitely miss out because that's when you run into people and you say, "Oh, you're at Atlantic now. Oh, you're at the New York Times now. Right. Or you're at Dinner Now." And like then you're like, you actually can get jobs. Right.
0: Yeah. I think it's like very well. It's interesting, especially when you're young, and we have a lot of listeners of podcasts who are students or like young professionals. Like you, it's hard to look at a big picture. So like, I worked at Seventeen magazine. Every single person I worked with, thank you, I loved it. I loved it. Like the the staff is let's say thirty people. Sure. Every single person went somewhere else. And like at the time, you don't think about it, but now it's like, oh, I know thirty people at thirty different outlets. So really, really, I like just like being nice to people. You just keep track
1: of people, and I don't think in a negative way or like a. Like a smarmy way or whatever. You just literally you, you you keep track of people where they go, and if they're doing cool things, you reach out to them and you say, "What you're doing is amazing. Like, is there a, do you need any help yep. or can I be a part of it or whatever? Or if or not even like can I work for you? Just like it's cool mm-hmm. and do that constantly, right. And that's actually what Twitter Twitter sucks now, but what Twitter's really good for still is like keeping in touch on a micro level with people when they do cool projects. Hey, this is really cool. Hey, I really like this. And here's why. Da, da, da. And so that's great. The fact that you can still do that on Twitter is probably the only good thing about Twitter that's left. <laughs> like, honestly, aside from like a joke, maybe some one joke a day or something. Right. Oh, yeah. It's so bad. But those things are what really like help me and supporting other people's cool projects and them supporting my cool projects. And like, essentially, that's it. That's great
0: advice. I also like when you're talking about how you and Bobby just, like, try things. We try like, everything. I know it sounds obvious, but I feel like a lot of us, especially if you worked in traditional media, you get very stuck and, like, oh, my God, if I'm going to do a new project, it's going to take a year no. of planning and a strategy. And it's like, no, now just, like, throw the spaghetti at the wall. Like, just do it yeah. and see if it works. There's really yeah. no harm,
1: right? No, there's no harm. And especially these are all free platforms, essentially. Um... And like if no one subscribes to your newsletter, like whatever. What I mean is more like finding platforms that on people where people are doing cool things and trying your own cool thing. And don't right. just do what the platform says you should do on it. Do a weird thing. That's
0: awesome. It's like it's also hard to think about it. Like not every like not every piece of technology is for every person. So like looking no. at all because there's like a hundred platforms. Sure. Right? Like looking at what they are. I've never done
1: anything good on Facebook, I'll say that. Interesting. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the Who Weekly Facebook group is the only good thing I've ever done yeah, on Facebook. Yeah, it's very... But otherwise, no. Right. And it's just like not your platform. Anything that... Any big, stupid corporation that's putting out or has a place for you to put content, you should look at as an opportunity right. to maybe put content yeah. there. Yeah. And if it's cool, because you never know where people will start paying attention.
0: You love being freelance, which I feel like can be a very stressful thing to be a freelancer not knowing where, you know, your next yeah. job is coming. Yeah. What... Kind of advice do you have for people who are looking to like make the jump to freelance? Like, what gave you the confidence to do it? Well, the
1: first time around, I was just doing writing, and I will say that's a that was bad and not good for me. Um, now I'm doing more like contract stuff, so uh, more editing and more like stable situations where I have like specific uh, tasks that I do when I get paid a certain amount per week, or I blog my hours or whatever. whatever. Right. Um, I think that's a way better, way easier way to do it. I think freelance writing is really hard and hustling for every piece is like not a good way to live. I do think that if you had one thing that you did regular, like a contract gig, and even if that's you going to the place that you write for regularly and saying, hey, I'll do like four pieces for you a month. Just give me like, just pay me like per for those four pieces. And you have a steady thing, mm-hmm. that opens you up for so many more things. Right. So I think literally that's the goal, like, is getting a small contract or two in place and then you can totally be freelance. Uh, that's how that's how I feel the most comfortable. Um, but I know that, like, there are people out there just doing piece to piece and, like, that's really hard. Right. Like, that's really – I don't think I could do that.
0: Well, it sounds like talking – and we're talking before about some other freelancers too. Like, just being open to other stuff just – other, yeah, kinds other kinds of things. Yeah, and other
1: kinds of Right, and you... I think everyone's, like, you don't have... Your byline does not have to be, like, out there for everything you do, and not everything you do has to be specifically writing or journalism-based. Like, one of my contract gigs right now is, like, curation for an app. Like, that's amazing. One of my contract gigs now is just behind-the-scenes editing for mm-hmm. Medium.com, which is amazing. That's like, great. I just... Those are the kinds of jobs, or but anything content marketing is very is a great way. All these things like social media stuff behind the scenes, those are all things that people will give you contracts for and will pay decency decently for. Um, writing piece to piece is not one of those mm-hmm. things.
0: Yeah, I remember like you know because I work in content marketing, and in the early days, there would be writers who like. I don't work for brands. Like, I won't write for brands. And it was just like, oh my God, if you're saying that, that. Right? Like, like good luck. I'm sorry, and just the direction. I mean, I think a little bit of it is like being realistic and being aware of like the environment, right? All the like, successful
1: freelancers I know have one steady kind of thing that this like tent pole that supports them. And that is usually a brand thing. Um, you know, it's also it depends a brand can be different. Like one of the freelance things that I do right now is I work for the wing, which you we're talking about. The Wing is a women's co-working space in New York. There's two now um, run by this woman named Audrey Gelman and her partner. And it's just, and they wanted to make a magazine. And I've never made a magazine before, um, but a print magazine. A print a print magazine. Print magazine. <laughs> and, but via the people who I know in this stupid industry, which thank God, like <laughs> somebody recommended me to like do managing editing, which I am good at, like the organizing and paying people and, and editing and all that stuff. And I did the first issue. And it was amazing, because working with all women is like a, a blessing and a joy. And it was so honestly, like it was the most painless experience ever on every level. Um, and But technically, that is a brand. Right. And the magazine yes. is sponsored by Amex and Chanel. And uh, the wing is in it very heavily. Not heavily, but it's in it. You know, it's the brand of the wing. And so you just, I don't know. like. It's good to have, like, morals and do what you want to do and have standards for yourself. But being a freelancer, you just, you really need to, like, open yourself up mm-hmm. to doing things that aren't necessarily all uh, pitching the New York Times. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. And I think the landscape has just changed where it's just, yeah. like, it's, you, of course, want to keep your integrity. But, like, a sponsored, a branded
1: magazine, like,
0: some of them are going to be some of the highest quality content yes, out and there. I'm sure Money, it goes, Oh right. my god,
1: money and the money <laughs> that they'll spend. And you can give that money to other writers. Like the best part about the Wing Magazine is literally it's like we're doing this piece of sponsored content or whatever you want to call it, content marketing. It is marketing. And I'm getting to pay other freelance writers to interview cool people and to write cool things. Like that is the best thing in the world, right? So like you have to twist it in your mind, right? Like the Dollar Shave Club thing, like sure. It was a branded uh, online right. site for men, for Dollar Shave Club, whatever. But I was paying people probably some of the better rights than they've gotten from other places because we could. And I was finding the people, you know, that I wanted to pay and like who worked really well and whatever. And so, I don't know. I just, those are, as a freelancer, you have to just decide what you, for you, what's best for you, obviously. But if you split your life 50-50 between like, writing amazing things for the Atlantic and the New York Times, New York Times magazine and all these places, and then fifty percent you kind of look for other sponsored things. Like maybe that's a good mm-hmm. split. And then you won't kill yourself. Right. Because it's literally insane to just hustle for clips.
0: It's, I mean it must be crazy making. Like
1: <laughs> I can't imagine anyone doing that. But I mean, people do. I mean people do and there's freelance writers who are, you know, very experienced and who make $2 a word, God bless them, and they're able to do it, and that's fine. Right. But like no one I know who's successfully doing it, my age at least, is able to do it without one good contract gig.
0: It also sounds like almost a strategy. Like, if you're working a full-time job and you want to go freelance. Finding that one gig. One gig. And then you can leave. And then you can yes. bring on all the little yes. things in your passion project. And people come and, to you
1: when people know you're freelance. Right. The problem with going freelance is you have to announce it to get really good stuff, but you can't always announce it because you're trying to leave your job. And it's very complicated, like publicizing, hey, I'm freelance, send me work. But you want to get to that point where, you can, where people can know you're freelance. Right. So, how do you strategize getting to that point without kind of fucking over anyone? I don't know. And also, if you want to leave your job and go freelance, why does your job have to end? Like, a lot of my friends have said to their jobs, Hey, I really want to try freelance. They've said, Okay, well, why don't you work like a few hours for us? Or why don't you do one piece for us a week? Or there are ways to manipulate it so you can still do what you want to do. Like, if I hadn't gotten a new job, after leaving Vulture, I totally would have tried to, like, still do stuff for them Mm -hmm. if I felt like I had to go do freelance or be freelance.
0: Right. Well, I feel like it's also, like, you get very scared, like, to tell your job. But honestly, anyone who's worked as a boss is at a corporation. Like, you're like, I'd much rather you just stay on at least for a year or six months and find someone new. Sure.
1: And, like, your voice is important to us. And we put a lot into you. So how can we keep you at least part time? Okay, so maybe you want to, like, write a book. Like, okay, write the book. But you can also do stuff for right. us. Like, that's an amazing thing to be able to do both, right? Yeah. Like, that—that that is the dream. And being freelance and comfortable is, like, also amazing. So I recommend if you can do it, like, trying to do it. But did you, just the flexibility, did just, you? Yeah. And and this podcast would not be Who Weekly, not this one, but <laughs> Who Weekly would not be good or even still happening unless myself and Bobby were freelance. Right. And we are. Right. So God bless. Yeah
0: so let's jump into the podcast. So I'm like a, a super fan. Oh my god. Um, and actually it's so funny, so many of the producers on this show were like, we didn't even know that we were all fans. And then really? when we were starting to plan the season, we were like, oh we should interview Lindsay. And everyone's like, oh my god, this is my favorite podcast. So you We're really a
1: media maker's saver podcast. You are? We're really like, a, we really have like a audience. It's Gay men and people in media are like our two best right? audience members.
0: Excited yeah. audience. I'm very excited, <laughs> yeah. engaged The audience. only people I care about,
1: <laughs> let's be real.
0: So tell us, we didn't even talk about what the podcast is. Oh, What's yeah. The, just a
1: few lines. Um, So it's uh, everything you need to know about the celebrities you don't. And everyone asks like what that means. It's like the celebrities you don't know or celebrities you don't know of. It's like basically in the mantra of Who Weekly, in the mantra of culture in general, there are people you've heard of and there are ones you haven't. And that might seem like person to person, which, yes, it is, but it's also kind of the way that we, as a culture and the way media treats different celebrities, the way that they talk about them, and the way that they feature them or not feature them. And so we kind of look at culture and tabloids through that lens. And that's kind of it. So there's who's and them's, and it's just like the trash, we talk about the trashiest celebrities and the trashiest tabloids, and we try and like make sense of it and like have fun.
0: But it's so... I mean, it's so great, and I, like... I love all that stuff. I'm so invested and interested yes. in like the stuff that I have no
1: one to talk to about mm-hmm. except for maybe you now. People think that but that's the best part about it. it's like people are like oh no one cares about this and it's right. like hello, welcome like everyone cares. Everyone does. Yeah. But to your
0: point like we like we have created these people like yes. if they're not naturally no. celebrities so to talk about that and that concept it's like so great and so Yeah and I meta. think it's
1: like it's flattering to them I hope or at least we try and stay on the positive side of things where like Yes, we're like snarky a little bit, and we definitely like love a certain voice in the way we talk about celebrities, but we ultimately admire the hustle of a celebrity coming trying to be on the come up. So that's right. always supposed to be admirable. And we also like love the way that the behind the scenes of tabloids work because we've kind of worked around them. So we're obsessed with the way that People Magazine does things, and we want to learn everything about it and talk about way, the way that publicists pitch things and the way that just everything works. like we love the mechanics of uh hollywood and celebrity. so mm-hmm. i i always hope that it comes through let's not like two people just like being rude about culture it's like and celebrities it's about two people who genuinely care about the nature of how like your celebrity sausage is made or whatever. So we try. And then it's fun. Right. And then other stupid. It, I think it
0: totally comes. And then other through. stupid
1: shit. Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, I and how I explain it, I'm like, you know when you're like standing in line at the grocery store yes. and you see that celebrity yes. or you see the cover of a magazine, you're like, I literally do not know who that person is and they're on the cover of right. a magazine. I'm like, those are the people yeah, that we're talking and it's about. It's
1: supposed to be educational. I think we we sometimes we lose our who origin, which really the origin was like who is this person? Who are these people? And I think sometimes we spin off away from that. But ultimately it it's supposed to be like, who is this person? Why am I seeing them all the time? And should I care? Right. And so we can. So hopefully we can tell you this person is good or bad. Here's what they do, and here's why you should care or right. not care. Right. Or you don't need to or think need about to them.
0: Yeah. So um, if you can share one or two things about what you've
1: learned about how the celebrity sausage is made, this was this is oh not one of the
0: pre-approved questions. Uh, so I'm just, what have
1: I learned? Um, Hmm. I'm trying to think of the most interesting thing that I learned. There's so much boring shit that you learn. Like, is this
0: true? When I worked in magazines, someone once told me that like when you're reading a juicy story, especially in people where yeah. they actually do their research, yeah. like that oftentimes the source is the celebrity. Yeah, 100%. like a person. Ce- okay, that's, that's 100% true. it. Yeah, like it's like yes, a, a, yes. Friend, a source says. Right, a, a friend, friend of Tom Cruise says, but it's yes. like actually Tom Cruise. Well, they're
1: just emails directly from them telling you something, and they'll say a source. I mean, also like. A source could just be any. They pay off sources a lot, which it just could just be the the bag handler at the at the hotel. Right. Meaning a source says they came and then they went or whatever right. Like to this hotel or whatever. <laughs> um. But I think there's a lot of less of that happening now too. Like like celebrity culture is like changing and the way that tabloids report is changing. Um. I think my favorite thing I'm obsessed with is how often magazines now use people's use people's Instagrams. Um. Because it's so like evident to me the way that mass media is like breaking down and how like even the paparazzi guys are getting skipped over and celebrities are like taking their agency back and being like, you're gonna post a sexy picture of me? Like, I'm doing it first and like my picture's better. So like, they're gonna take my picture and put it in the magazine and not even pay you for your picture. The fact that somebody who works at Us Weekly right now likes and listens to the podcast is literally the best compliment we can get because one, we don't work there so we don't know actually what we're talking about half the time. Um, but the fact that they think it's interesting, the stuff that we're asking, and we're getting it sometimes right, sometimes we're a little bit right, mostly wrong, right. whatever, that's the biggest compliment that we can get. And I know that it's not easy to work at those magazines, and so I would never want to like discredit them or say that they aren't putting in a lot of effort, which they are, because those are the people I'm obsessed with the most. Right, and they're listening to your... Yeah, the headline <laughs> writers, like the, the Daily Mail headline writers are the ones that I'm, I love them, you know? It's, a, it's amazing. I could never do that and
0: you have a call-in show once a week. So you do yeah. once a week, you do. We have a main show, we
1: have a call-in show which um, is my fault and I'm Bobby like hates me, I'm sure for it. But it ended up being really important to the show's like core.
0: Your show's not long enough. If you want my personal opinion, I'm like I I always I'm like oh this
1: is over already. <laughs> we kept telling people, people kept telling us, "Oh, 30 minutes is enough. 30 minutes, 30 minutes." And so we're like, "Okay, we'll state we'll say as close to 30 minutes as we can." Um, and so, which is not, we often go over, but then when we, so we want to do call-ins, we were like, instead of having it a t- uh, double uh, one episode with a beginning and the call-ins, we'll do two different shows. And so, I don't know. I mean, do I wish we just did a double length show? Sometimes maybe, because then we don't only have to record once a week. Right. But I think there's something about two shows that keeps people really engaged and the call-ins themselves, thank God we started doing them because they really changed the nature of the show. In terms of like the community and the humor and the jokes and whatever and so like that almost that was like a fluke.
0: A lot of our listeners have expressed interest in starting their own podcast. Sure. I think that people get very like worked up about the details of it and very scared to start it kind of you know they think it's going to be a lot of planning and and what advice do you have for someone who wants to just start their own podcast?
1: Part of me says like just do it because that's how I do everything but also after now having done it it's you want to make sure that you're doing your you have like a clear point of view like making a podcast just to make a podcast is probably not your best bet Mm -hmm. um we almost started a just a general culture podcast and then thank god Caitlin who was helping us was like no like you need your shtick like this is not a good shtick there's so many culture podcasts why would you just do your own like it's why. you should do the who thing, go full in. It's we did. But, like, I, I think you should make sure you have, like, a good point of view and a good shtick and 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 find a podcast you love and, and model it off of their format so you know that there's, like, a format that works for you. Um, and the other thing is just make sure you have enough time because mm-hmm. it's not just, like, sitting down and recording. It's, like, who's going to edit the podcast? And is it going to sound good? And do you have a microphone? And all these things. And not that any of this stuff should stop you from doing a podcast because, I've seen, I've heard the really best ones that are so low budget and I've heard really high budget ones be really terrible. And so that's irrelevant, but it's like, just do, you know, where are you going to host it and where are you going to put, where are you going to put it? And do you know, are you going to submit it to iTunes or not? Or whatever, just, just stuff like that. And, and, and also why even restrict yourself to the way that you hear other podcasts be, if you want your podcast to be 10 minutes, it can be 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. If you want to be Uh, two hours and let's say it's some insane thing you do once a year and it's in two hours what a weird fun concept sure like there's so many cool weird concepts and I think the way to like stand out is to like do one of those at this point right so I don't know I think that that's all very contradictory advice
0: no it's good (laughs) I mean I think (laughs) but but it's it's like
1: (laughs) don't jump right in but also don't jump right in I don't know just like a minimal amount
0: of planning I think to your point like yeah. Just what's your what's what your contribution your, right, or whatever strategy? Like, what's the voice? Like, what is? Because there it, there are so many. But you said something earlier before the microphone was on that I thought was really interesting about like TV, TV. like how TV yeah. it's
1: like a web series or the most high quality expensive show. Everyone like, sees podcasts yeah. right now as one big group of podcasts. They're all from the same place. We all get them from the iTunes Store. We mm-hmm. all we all go one place to find them. But that is like an insane way to look at it ultimately because there are podcasts from so many realms where like from the shittiest podcast to the most, to this American life just like there is web series or whatever to HBO and some web series are better than HBO Mm -hmm. and some shitty podcasts are better than uh, Serial or whatever, most are because Serial's bad but like I guess what I'm trying to say (laughs) is, is that because of the way that podcasting exists right now and I think this will change is that there's no way to divvy up like there's no there's no channels right there's no right we can't you don't go to different places you go to one place and you either find a podcast or you don't and so we're kind of restricted into thinking that every podcast has to be the same way it has to be about true crime or a certain production value or whatever and that's definitely not the case Um, I think there's so much more room for like inventive weird uh, and I wish actually Who Weekly is more is very traditional in terms of its format like I wish we were more weird I wish we did more weird Mm -hmm. shit and like I want people to go do more weird shit. Like, there's this one podcast, I'm still obsessed with it, I think about it a lot, and it's called, What Happened to the uh, What Happened to the Pizza at McDonald's? Have you heard of this? <laughs> no! <laughs> and it's one guy, and it, every episode is about five minutes long, eight minutes long or something, and it's him doing research to find out what happened to the pizza. So they had pizza at it McDonald's. Used to sell, they used to sell pizza at McDonald's, and it's just him trying to find out what happened to the pizza at McDonald's, and it's like... Very low budget. It asks one question, answers it. It's funny. It's a parody of podcasts, but it's also like done really well in terms of him doing research. Shit like that is hilarious. And... Like, there's so much more space for it. And I think you will definitely get press and attention if you go and do something insane. Like, now there's all these apps like Anchor, all these things mm-hmm. where you, they want to do short audio and stuff like that. And that's really cool. Like, they're definitely capturing something. And yep. I think that's the idea is to break out of the hour-long format, which is technically radio. Right. Not even podcasting. Right. I mean, we really have just been doing, ra- a
0: lot of it is like radio. Most of
1: podcasting yeah. is just radio on pod. Like, the good podcast that people always say is just radio on podcast. Like as a podcast, so how can we create podcasting? Doesn't sound like radio, mm-hmm. you know? Right. I don't know. I think it's people's tastes changing too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, and there's such like, there's so much content, but it is like, remember when TV all of a sudden there were a million channels? It was like, oh, who's going to watch all this Right. Like, and then it you turned
1: out fine. Do like yeah. you will and people so do right? <laughs> and and they figure it out and you and yeah. I just think distribution of podcasts is yeah. going to change, and so hopefully one day soon it'll be easier to find stuff that you like. Um, in that you would go and E, turn on E and you know you find like your garbage. Kardashians, you know you find your garbage there. Like there's got to be a better way. I think networks kind of do it now Mm -hmm. but not really as well because Mm -hmm. networks aren't really split up by uh, content and Mm -mm. genre as much as you would think they would be. Like we're a part of HeadGum but we're amongst more comedy stuff and I would say we're not really in that realm. But you never know. Like also I feel like we're not really like a lot of podcasts which is bad for us because Mm -hmm. that means – um, when you say, "Hey, I listen to X Y Z, can I listen to more like it?" We don't come up on all these lists mm-hmm. because we don't really. Maybe we kind of are. We, throwing shade is one. The read is one. Like we don't, but we're not like any of those, right? So right, right, right. You might not like. So it's hard. You, if you like that, it's just not right. similar. Enough. So you end up you end up listening to a serial and then listening to all these true crime shit and then you're like, oh, well, what else do I like about podcasts? And right. maybe somebody doesn't t- direct you in our direction or, right. or show you that there's cool stuff that you would like as an Us Weekly list reader or whatever. So I don't know. I hope that that'll change, but I don't know. I mean, you ne- I know, I never yeah, know. Yeah,
0: that's hard. It is hard to find yes. what you want to listen to. Yeah, 100%. It's really – but I think it's interesting. Like, I think your advice is not contradictory because it's like you're saying create a – Like, have a voice, but don't spend, like, so much time worrying about, like, all
1: the details and the... The What's your marketing, like, plan in five years going to be? The only details you need to know is what it is, how to record it, how to edit it, and how to put it on the internet. Right? Those are harder than they seem. Right. That's what I'm saying. Right. Those are more annoying than they they ever seem, but in terms of just doing it, if you want to do it, you should do it.
0: And do you think it's... Fun to do a podcast with a friend? Yes. <laughs> like sure.
1: More, yeah. like, I think we have a team on this podcast that's oh so fun. I would need to. Yeah. I would kill myself. I think a lot of people
0: just try to like do a podcast, but it's fun to have a group and it's like, a we group. take different roles. And also,
1: maybe it's just a one person podcast, but you have a producer who's right. your partner. So you have a
0: really, really active audience for this podcast. Yeah. And they're really interested. Amazing. They've done fat Facebookers. How did that audience build and how do you keep it? <sighs> Cultivated or is it just something that happened organically?
1: Um, how did it build? Um, I don't know. I think because we're talky and we're friends, people listen to us and are like, you're my friend. Um, how do I find other people who are like you, who would be my friend? Or like, or just how do I find other people? who, Like you said, like I didn't know that anyone cared about this. Right. So it's like, okay, well, these two people care about it, so we're the other people that care about it. So that's literally, I think, what people, the hooligans, as they kind of name Your themselves. Fans, yes. base called. Um, they found each other and I created a Facebook group which like honestly I hate Facebook and like did, would not have done it. Just thought wouldn't it be funny if it we had one. The group is created itself. Right. Is what I'm saying. Right. And they have their own internal jokes. They have their own internal memes and a lot of times we don't know them. And a lot of times it's like we had a segment on the show we were like trying to address that and I was almost like it's not working because it's almost weird that like we it's, like, their world. Right, you're and taking And we have our stuff, world, right. and, like, it didn't... It wasn't as fun for us to be talking about other people's good jokes, but, I mean, I definitely read it, and I troll it. I think Bobby does, too, and, like, they are the best. It's, am- so, it's amazing. And they're having meetups for their shows, and they're hanging out with each other and meeting each other and sometimes dating each other, which is <gasps> so strange. I, know. I
0: can't... Do you get invited to the, a wedding if there's, like, a... Not yet. I can't wait. But somebody first... was
1: like, "I met my boyfriend on Who Weekly," or like, or yeah. And it wow. was like, "Thank you." I was like, "Oh, you're welcome." <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm so sorry. You're gonna be officiating, <laughs> right? Honestly.
0: And you have your own social media presence, kind super of Twitter. What do you consider like your presence? Where do you think you're?
1: I think I fall in between like people who tweet about TV a lot and like joke like joke people and i think that's what is the most fun uh it's on twitter it's most it's, it's mostly on twitter mostly twitter i like don't really use tumblr anymore sadly instagram oh my god instagram is fun instagram stories are fun i don't know i like twitter is such a bummer because politics are awful and i use it to read about the news but i never feel like i need to weigh in about mm-hmm. that and stuff and i also feel like there is this like the the thing where you think that if you don't weigh in on something people think that you don't care right
0: I mean I it's so interesting to hear you say that because I really have been struggling like it's a personal branding question really yes. but like my this podcast is about career advice like I want to tweet about career advice yes. I want to talk about career yeah, advice I want to yeah. promote the women that we're talking to I have struggled. I mean, if you go on my Twitter, it's like nothing, like dead for the last whatever month because like,
1: everything feels not.
0: anything I say, exactly. Like when there's a huge conversation around X, Y, and Z horrific thing that's happening in the world, it does. I'm like, I don't want to, like, I'm not the person to comment on that, like you no. said. But then I do feel like, oh, do, can I really just be talking about this thing and like never ever mention well, politics? Like because everything around I mean, me is so You a definitely real struggle. can.
1: You definitely can. I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say to like to people like don't tweet about politics or whatever but it's like i don't know like you should also do you should also tweet about and express things that are important to you that aren't just like our national nightmare you right. know like every, you know we're all in this together and like there are other things that you should you could you're also allowed to care about other bullshit and support other people's culture and their work and their comedy and their tv shows and whatever and like i don't know like I don't know. I mean, it's it's really hard. It's, it's like really a total catch twenty two. Yep. But I do think the one advice is that like when you apply to a job and people Google you and go to your Twitter, it sucks. But they really do see a lot of Definitely. that as an encapsulation of you. And so, I don't know. Maybe step back from the integration into the feed and just look at your own Twitter. What does it say about you? Mm-hmm. Like if you look at it separately. Which I know that Twitter isn't supposed to be in a vacuum. Um, but people do look at people's I Twitters in the back I have people end. who I just, like, look at their Twitter. Like, right. instead
0: of – I do my feed for news, and then I have, like, the five people. And like, I like you. But if your Twitter's going to come
1: up and search when right. someone searches your name, you want to make advice. sure that you, uh, you know, that, that it looks like you and then it represents things that you represent or whatever. Right. And even if that is politics, cool, but, like, weigh in in ways that are smart that right. represent you and that show that you're smart – or your take on it is an interesting way that someone mm-hmm. might be like, "Oh, I love that they're like paying attention to this or that, even if it's like the most depressing shit in the whole world." Which right. Is. I don't know. That's how I feel, and I kind of didn't realize that people were doing that until I started doing that, and I was like, "Oh shit!" Literally, like this is like someone's resume. Right. We also, have to Own yeah. it. Like also delete your tweets. Yes. Right.
0: <laughs> you Every your six tweets. months,
1: delete your tweets. <laughs> all of them. I really all of them. I have done that. Really? Just go back and remove. No, I just. Uh, Every six months or something, I'll just delete all of them. They do not need to be there. That's a great, who needs a like great th- advice. Who needs that? No, why? Or there's great services that for free will delete all of your tweets that are over like 300 tweets. So you can only have like 300 tweets in your feed. Oh. I think mine's like that right
0: now. Perfect. So great. when someone's searching you, they don't find it. Old like stuff. Treat it like
1: Instagram stories. It should be like disappearing and nothing you say needs to stay. And that's great and you should do that. I
0: love that advice because like who knows like Delet I on tweets. Twitter so early who Delet knows tweets. what
1: oh out of context like people will take your shit out of context till the end right. of time right exactly um and and sure you can save your archives make sure all your good ass jokes all your good Grey's Anatomy references are saved <laughs> but I really believe in deleting your tweets and I think people should do it I love that
0: advice I love it, that <laughs> advice because it is we're always talking about like oh people are finding you online forever like oh what if they don't have to
1: like there's nothing that you could put that's substantial enough in 140 characters that right. needs to stay. They're that's not, what your I'm saying. Like, it's it's, not your
0: they're clips. Like it's not. They're not your
1: clips. They're not. And those and those you can put on a website and make really nice and control what people find. And, and but the fact that your Twitter's going to come up in this SEO search for you, like only give them a little taste and right. the rest they can find on your website that you have.
0: I love what you this. should this have. Is great
1: advice. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> what you should have. You're welcome.
0: Talk to me about time management because of oh. the way your career is. It's like a million different things that you're doing. You must be so busy. So between the podcast and the writing and the editing and the, all the other freelancing, like how do you create your life, your time? You have a lot of flexibility. I wish I was more
1: organized. Okay. I mean, you make it seem like I'm like good at – I mean, you implying that I'm good at time management. I'm not. Um you get I, it all done. I mean, I get it all done sometimes. I try – i keep a lot of to-do lists i try and make sure that every day because i'm freelance and i work from home some days that i have like at least five things to do even if it's like some of it's like go mail this package or something as a freelancer i just try and go like one place a day to work that's not my house mm-hmm. so that's a coffee shop or the wing or anywhere else i have like a co-working kind of club with friends that oh, would like go awesome. meet up at a bar or something and like work over beers or any literally anything and I'm trying to think of other like what I do. I don't know. I think it's day. It's really day to day and week to
0: week. You you don't have a structure to your day because like really. we've talked to some freelancers who like I wake up at the same time no, no matter what. I'm
1: terrible. Sometimes I have to move in my car in the morning. <laughs> I like early. flexibility, so that's. Like- I'm very bad. I like. I really. I'll stay up. Sometimes I like to work really late, so mm-hmm. I'll stay up late and then I'll sleep in a little if I can, just because sometimes like I'll just be working and I'll just want to get it done and have the next day. I always know that at any point I might have just have to drop what I'm doing and go finish something yes. or or go write something or go uh, step away and take a phone call or anything. So I always make myself available to that. I think I'm able to do that because I don't have as much work. I'm like not filling my schedule totally, so I'm not always like leaving stuff to, you know, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm sacrificing anything. I don't have kids right. or a husband or whatever. So I'm not like, that's not a huge thing for me, but I, I think that, As a freelancer, you kind of just have to, like, say... You just have to do that. You just have to be ready to do that. Right. And so, yes, on a Monday, I'll go see a movie. But on Saturday, sometimes I'm working. Right. Or on Sunday, I'm working or whatever. Like, you know, I'll go away for the weekend. Maybe I'll be up there from Wednesday to Sunday, which is an amazing thing. But I'm working Wednesday, Thursday. So I just think, like you just have to be one of those people that can work from anywhere mm-hmm. can do your shit from anywhere and if you're not then that's going to be a problem
0: yeah cuz that's i actually think what like what you're saying about being interrupted is hard for a lot of people where it's like you start your like Sometimes I start my day and I wanna know where my day's going and then it just like completely derailed. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that. And if you right, if I was to go crazy over that, like you would have the a very stressful life. Yes.
1: A hundred percent it would very it would be very stressful. And maybe freelancing is not for you. Because <laughs> sure. But also a lot of people take freelancing and, are, and create it into a nine to five where they only answer emails if right. you nine to five and they only but just so you know, when people know that you're freelance, they're not gonna treat you like you're nine to five. They're gonna right. treat you like you're uh, Seven to two a.m. and you're just hours. gonna have to deal and either decide not to answer that Slack or only answer it during certain hours or be the person who's always on. Up to you. Mm-hmm. But I've always been the person who's always on, which is probably like to my own just dis- you know detriment. But, but
0: kind of. So like if you can go and see a movie, you can yes. shut it off and you're yeah. like
1: fine with that for two hours because sure. you know yes. you'll be available. Because I'll be working till right. 10, 10 or eleven, which is fine because I really want to see that movie <laughs> like during the day.
0: You have interviewed all kinds of people throughout your career, Mm -hmm. and we wanted to know who is the most interesting person you've interviewed from anything, from your podcast, for a piece that you've written. Like, who is someone that just surprised you and was not who you thought they would be?
1: I mean, everyone's interesting. I don't know. Let's say, like, okay, so like the Spencer Pratt interview that everyone loves, I was totally expecting him to come off badly mm-hmm. like I just expected him to just like come off unlikable because that's like his entire brand but he totally flipped it on us and like totally convinced us he was cool and then we were totally on his side and <laughs> I don't usually get like starstruck like that in terms of like getting convinced to be like being like fully wrapped into a celebrity's um extremely he's like just extremely what do you call it like amicable and and just like he draws he you charmed he's you. a charmer and so I didn't expect that to happen but like I don't even understand how he did it, but he turned off to be so likable, <laughs> even though he's, like, not a very, like, likable person, or even really a good person, or whatever. Depends on what you think. But that really, like, was interesting, and also really, like, changed the way I thought about the like, the interviews that we should do on Who Weekly, yeah. because it felt like that was the, like, epitome of a perfect behind-the-scenes look, and the type of person who gets their own brand. Right. It's like he... Creates his brand and just like convinces
0: you of that brand, like, yeah. That's or just it. like he
1: convinces me he's really smart and knows what he's doing, which I right. think is maybe what for all of us like eighty percent of the time sometimes, right? And for him, <laughs> who knows? So like that really surprised me in terms of what I expected that to be, and now it sucks because the bar is so high and like, because like so we have to find like other people to interview <laughs> who are just as good, and right? Really hard to find people who are as self aware and interesting as he is, and know so much about how like celebrity stuff happens Works. How it and works. is so willing to be like we were not famous and then we became famous and we're not famous again but right. then in England we're famous but it's like oh my god you are just fully insane but also it's was perfect.
0: So like aware and
1: not embarrassed. <laughs> so that was surprising I thought that was surprising. I didn't expect it I think we got lucky with that and then like it just turned out to be really fun
0: We have reached our lightning round Oh my god. Here we go. Oh no I'm going to ask you a couple of quick questions about your career. mm mm-hmm. Best job you ever had, uh, vulture. Awesome. Full time job, vulture. How about not full time job, like podcaster?
1: <laughs> How about job that wasn't in media? Oh, um, when I was in high school, I worked at this little store called Scribble It, where we where they made personalized furniture. Newton, do you know what? Newton, no, but remember?
0: I we had a like we well, had like, a store thing, like that right, right,
1: exactly, and <laughs> I loved it because I worked in the front. I was like eleven or no, I was eleven. I was like sixteen. And in the back were all these um, artists who worked at Mass Art, and they were all really cool. And so all I did was just, like, talk to them all day and make them, like, tell me cool things. And, like, love it. And, like, I was just, like, it was just the best, like, learning experience for, like, a young teen. I
0: love that. And I would love to see some of the customized oh, yeah. pieces. They were amazing. <laughs> that and I, did, came out of and it. I, like,
1: did sales, which is funny. It was great. What's the worst job um, you've ever had? For one day, I was an intern at Mix 98.5, a radio station in Massachusetts, and I never went back. It was bad. You just
0: went, and then you never. You never. But that's went back. bad
1: job advice. Did they? Did you call them? No one cared. And you didn't show up, and no, no one called no one you. No one cared. It was just I could tell that no one cared, and so when I left, no one cared. I never came back. And no you never.
0: Back. <laughs> oh yeah. <my> God. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. I know.
1: Or is it terrible? <laughs> terrible. It's, don't don't do, do, that. do that. Don't
0: do that. Don't but do that. That was bad. I was in high school. Mm. <laughs> What is the best career advice you've ever received? You gave a lot of awesome career advice today. I'm so excited about this. What's the best career
1: advice you've received? This is stupid, but always follow up with people. Hmm, I think it's great. Um, Like I always, I think people always think emails are annoying. There's this like weird thing where it's like too many emails are annoying. It's like they're not. Mm -hmm. They're really not annoying. Like people can get a lot of emails. It's not your job to like to not get send people emails right. like to to manage my email box mm-hmm. is not your job so sending that extra email to say like either thank you or just like hey checking in on this or whatever is not annoying um and i think we've been trained to think that stuff's annoying it's just not
0: yeah i you know i always think about email it's like and i have so many issues with email overall but like it is the responsibility it's like it's the it's my responsibility to manage my email box like I agree with you. No one, if you want to send me an email, fine. If I don't want to read it, that's also you. fine. It's right.
1: fine. And right. like people take time to respond and that's fine too. I just feel like you never know what you're going to like come across if you email someone to follow up. Like maybe they'll think of something, they'll think of you, "Oh, I have this thing like do you actually want to do it while you're while I have you or something?" Like I just it annoys me when people like or talk about how much email they get and not to email them it's like no you should freaking email people
0: I actually was thinking just this don't week, expect a response right like I was thinking this week actually of that I was annoyed about someone who didn't follow up because I had like an old email someone had asked me a career advice question and I just didn't get to it and it was like literally like six months a year later and I'm like I thought, I was like, why did not they follow up with me and bring it to the top of my inbox? Because it got lost, and I, now it's a year. Like, I'm and not going to respond, respond to it.
1: It's just, it's just annoying that people like, or editors, I think, and I would never do this, I would never say this, is like, talk about email etiquette in such like precious ways. It's like, there are no rules. Like, right. someone could email you, and they should always follow up. And yes, don't be annoying, and, and know that someone's only going to read, like, two paragraphs tops of what you're going to say. but you have something to say that's less than two paragraphs and you want to say it or whatever or ask for something or whatever, then you should do it. And, like, don't be afraid Mm -hmm. to, like, do that. Yeah, I almost like it's, like, text
0: is the new email, meaning, like, don't text me annoying things. Like, email me and I can control that. Sure, sure.
1: What's happening is that Twitter is now the like least effort you can put into saying good job to someone and now if you email someone right. it's like really nice. <laughs> that takes no effort. But it comes off really nice that they thought That's of you great to email you directly and say I like this stupid thing you did or whatever and like... It's basically like writing someone a thank you note. Yep. At this point, I mean that's way nicer. That's your next step. That's like way harder to do. <laughs> but the email it can be like really. You it's know, a great point. It is true. It does feel like a value. lot of effort. There's even more value. It doesn't. It, it feels like a lot of yep, effort. Totally. Thinking of somebody feels like a lot of effort. Totally. them and saying good job.
0: What is your most memorable office moment? You have worked in and out of offices, <sighs> oh like God. at your house, at
1: the wing. Um. The- what is my most office moment? Vulture was cool because there was always weird celebrities at New York Magazine doing different things and so they would just be in our really ugly, the New York Magazine offices are so ugly, so there would just be a weird celebrity like in the office, like sitting, hanging around. In the lobby. Like sitting, yeah, sitting or just like in the cubicles, like running around, that was always very strange and I always loved it because I love celebrities so it was like always like looking around for them and like trying to be near them or whatever. Lindsay, thank you so
0: much for being on our podcast. This was the great conversation. You had Mm -hmm. so much wonderful advice. Thank Thank you you
1: so much. Where can people follow you? Oh, my God. (laughs) Well. Where do you want them to follow you? You can follow me on Twitter at Lindsay Weber. That's my name. My full name. Um, With an an E. With an E. Lindsay with an E. And Weber with one B. Okay. Um, And that's... I don't know. That's really the only fun place. Instagram, I don't know. Who cares? And But also, the nice thing would be if you listen to the podcast. Listen
0: to the podcast. Too if weekly. you like it. If
1: you don't like it, don't tell me. But if you like it, then maybe you'll like it. You will like it. There's <laughs> no, I don't think
0: it's not Maybe like you'll like opinion.
1: it. <laughs> you will maybe like you'll it. like it. It'll be fun.
0: Listen to the podcast two weekly. It's awesome. You will enjoy it. And thank you so much for your time. It's just, this was so fun.
1: It was, I'd agree was fun. time. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for thinking I have a good career. Oh,
0: we love it. Send this to my mom. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Coffee Break with New York Wiki. You can find out more about our podcast by visiting New York Wiki, N-Y-W-I-C-I.org slash podcast. Or follow us on Twitter at NYWICI. Thanks again for listening.